Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. We live in a remarkable time for science. The vaccines that are rolling out against COVID-19 have been developed with astounding speed. I mean, I almost feel like people are just assuming that this kind of stuff happens all the time. But back in the 50s, it took nine years before the measles vaccine was approved after that was initially developed. And it took 20 years to get a polio vaccine to market. So what we're living through today is really quite extraordinary. Scientific discovery on Earth and in space, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Our show is about fixes. Yeah, how to make the world a better place. How, how do, do we, we fix, fix it? it? How do we fix it? The election and the pandemic have sucked up almost all of everyone's attention in recent months. But quietly, sometimes not so quietly, something else has been happening. Amazing advances in science and in space. Yeah, a few headlines from recent days. SpaceX founder and CEO Elon Musk says the company's first crewed missions to Mars could be just four years away. I think Elon has a bit of a tendency to get a little over-optimistic with his predictions sometimes. But most of them do come true, perhaps not on that kind of aggressive timescale. And another one, Jim, astronomers in Australia announced in the past few days that they've mapped 83% of the observable universe in just 300 hours. And this kind of all-sky survey used to take scientists years. That's, yeah, really amazing. And just a few weeks ago, SpaceX launched four astronauts to the International Space Station. It was the first time that NASA had turned to a private company to bring astronauts to the space station for a long-term mission. It, this is an, a really an important advance. It will bring down the cost of space travel dramatically. And Jim, you wrote about what led up to that achievement in a recently published magazine article. I'm going to ask you about that later in the show. Great. But first, let's revisit the interview we did with Neil deGrasse Tyson three years ago. He's America's most prominent spokesperson for space and science, and he's the director of New York City's Hayden Planetarium. Neil talks about the benefits of a cosmic perspective, the case for many more manned flight space missions in the future, and why science is such a vital force for progress. Let's start with his views about men and women in space and why the excitement about their discoveries has a wider impact on society. Space exploration 
history tells us, is one of the most potent forces to operate on the scientific ambitions of a citizenry. In the 1960s, you didn't need special programs to get people interested in science, to attract teachers into the subjects. It happened on its own. Why? There were weekly headlines of our journey into space, and you knew you needed the best of the best to breach the frontier of space. So now, if we send humans into space in a big way, that's expensive. So then why do it? Well, if your only goal of space exploration is scientific discovery, there's no reason to put humans in space. Because humans cost 50 times more than sending robots. Okay. Now, has anyone ever had a ticker tape parade for a robot? Exactly. Has anyone ever asked a robot to write their memoir of their life experience in space? Has any kid said, when I grow up, I want to be a robot? No. We have lectures here at the Hayden Planetarium. And occasionally there's some notable people that you've heard of, but there's a category of speaker that is unique, and that is the astronaut. You know why? Because when the astronaut comes to speak, people want their autograph even if they've never heard of them before. I know of no other kind of person for which that happens. So it's a better story. Yes, so now we know that innovations in science and technology will be the engines of tomorrow's economy. Without it, you can slide back to the cave because that's where you're going to land as all the rest of the countries pass you by that understand this fact. So how are you going to improve the American economy? How are you going to stoke innovation? Well, do I just tell you to innovate? Or do I say, we're going to Mars and we don't know how yet? Count me in. I'm an engineer. Let me figure this out. We don't know how to shield against the cosmic rays. I'll get on it. There could be a life form we've never encountered before. How do we? I'll get on that. And the, you will attract the best. And you know what will happen? Evidence shows the culture shifts. You go from a sleepy country to an innovation nation. And it becomes part of how we think about the world. So there's a greater sense of, of group purpose? Yes, or? yes, great, yeah. great phrase, group purpose. So um, you're in a meeting. I say, I don't know how to do this. Let's figure it out. Right. And the meeting could be about anything. Let's figure it out. That descends, permeates the culture. And you will get discoveries and you will get patents and you will get spinoffs. But the greater value is everybody wants to innovate. And with that culture of innovation, you assure your economic health far into the future. Neil deGrasse Tyson speaking with us at the American Museum of Natural History back in 2017. We asked him about his best-selling book, Astrophysics for People in a Hurry. Why did he write it? Well, so I noticed that there are people who, adults, who are curious about the universe, but they could only satisfy that curiosity in a fragmented way. They remembered words from a headline that wafted by, like exoplanet, 
or multiverse. They heard about dark energy, but they don't know. They can't quite formulate coherent statements regarding it. And I said, these are people who know they like astrophysics, but don't have the time to sit down and study it the way a student would study a course or curriculum. So I said, let me write a book just for them. And I tried it. You know, every few pages, there's some mind-blowing stuff. And, and let me give you one quick example, unless you had a list of them. I don't know. You've got notes in front of you, five pages <laughs> I long. Know, I know. I don't know. Wait. How are we going to ask all these questions? Uh, how you? Okay. So one of them was the final chapter, the 12th chapter, is, is titled Reflections on the Cosmic Perspective, which is my attempt to free you to think of what this world looks like when you are empowered with the knowledge of the size and scale and majesty of the universe itself. When you explore the universe, there is no room for your ego. And I'll give you an example. You think you're like, well, we're humans, so we're in charge of the earth. And, uh, and I remind you or alert you perhaps for the first time that one linear centimeter of your lower colon contains more bacteria living and working there than all the people who have ever been born. Wow. Ever been born. So what are you to them? You are a dark anaerobic vessel of fecal matter. (laughs) And nothing else about you matters to them. And if you get them angry... They will let you know this. <laughs> then they're in charge, not you. Okay? So so a cosmic perspective can come not only from the universe, but in that particular case, from biology. That's where you learn we're not greater than these microbes. We are sharing the same body with them. Should that bring humility? Yes. 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 It will, it will erase any hubris we carry with us as humans. And so you realize that you are not only sharing the same vessel called the human body with these microbes, you need each other. Mm-hmm. So one is not greater than the other. We are participants in an ecosystem. And then you look at the atoms in your body. They're scattered. They exist in the universe because that's where they came from forged in the hearts of stars that have exploded, scattering this enrichment across the galaxy, landing in gas clouds, which then collapse, form stars, and have the ingredients, nitrogen, oxygen, carbon, silicon. These ingredients comprise life as we know it. And so you find out that, no, you're not special because you're made of all the same ingredients as is most of the rest of the universe is being different the prerequisite to being special. It is in our own definitions. I'm special because I'm smarter than you or I'm faster than you or I have more talent. This is how we think about life. But in the universe and in a cosmic perspective, maybe you're special not because you're different but because you're the same. It's a fundamental idea of science that the same laws apply everywhere. 
you know, and Newton talked about this. Yes. I know you're a you're a huge <laughs> fan. Me of and no- Newton Isaac go Newton. way back. We we go way but, back. You know, it seems like an obvious point that gravity and and chemistry are the same everywhere, and yet it allowed us understanding that understanding that a certain element has a certain signature in the spectrum has allowed us to open up understanding of these incredibly distant and ancient formations all over the universe. Yes, yes. And uh, just to be clear, no, it's not obvious that the laws of physics on Earth are the same everywhere. Well, actually, the ancients didn't believe that. Right. Why, 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 why would you think it would be different? So it had to be experimentally verified that what goes on on Earth and what we discover on Earth is duplicated by what goes on on other planets, on other stars, in other galaxies, not only across space, but across time. And what a triumph of the human intellect to recognize this fact. And I think it's a point worth celebrating. But yes, this is, this is I'm loving it. <laughs> and what I, what I also find compelling about it is that it means that facts are facts. You don't have to be from a certain culture or religion or background or ideology to be able to understand the spectrum or the behavior of of light. When laws of physics work on Earth and across the universe and across time, they work for you no matter your religion, <laughs> no matter your political philosophy, your cultural philosophy, your whatever is your bias, I can tell you without hesitation that the laws of physics are the same for both of you. There's no Republican gravity or Democrat gravity. This is an objectively established scientific truth is true whether or not you believe in it. And so this brings an interesting question onto the table. If you run for office in the pluralistic society that we call America, and you want to pass a law, it seems to me that law should be based on objective truths. Because it's a law that has to apply to everyone. The moment you have a belief system that is not objectively true, if you now rise into public office and create a law that now has to apply to everyone, that is the beginning of the end of a free society. Is this happening now? I don't see laws being made just yet. I mean, our founding fathers, there's some clever folk among them, and it kind of helped that this country was founded in response to abuse of power. Mm-hmm. Meant all of our documents that established power would prevent that from ever happening again. So, however naive this statement is, I have confidence in the balance of power that, no, we're not going to end up with a, in a totalitarian state. But science is being challenged today, isn't it? From- yeah, it can be challenged, yeah. sure. Uh, it's a free country. You can say and think what you want. Go ahead and challenge it. But if you're going to challenge it because you somehow don't agree with it or don't believe it or it doesn't fit your, fit your philosophies, uh, fine. Just don't try to create legislation based on that ignorance. You lose your country. You, you cannot survive by creating laws that are based on things that are not objective truths. It's a house of cards. Neil deGrasse Tyson. If you want to hear more of our hour-long interview with him, go to howdowefixit.me, our website, and search for episodes 168 and 169. It's How Do We Fix It. I'm Richard Davies. And I'm Jim Meggs. And coming up, our conversation and a recommendation. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Richard, I understand you have a particularly appropriate recommendation for today's show. Yeah, Fireball, Visitors from Darker Worlds, is a beautiful and at times almost whimsical documentary about asteroids, shooting stars, and their impact on Earth and human society over many, many thousands of years. It's done by the famous documentary maker and director Werner Herzog and volcano expert Clive Oppenheimer. They both have a real sense of awe and wonder for our close encounters with outer space from prehistory through modern times. Fireball is on Apple TV. Yeah, I can't wait to see that. I'm a big, big fan of Herzog, both his earlier uh, fiction work as well as his documentaries. I actually got a chance to meet him one time at the Telluride Film Festival. That was I wasn't that awed by meeting celebrities when I was an entertainment journalist, but Herzog was the kind of person who really got my attention. I mean, he's just an amazing career. I love this quote by Neil deGrasse Tyson. He said, the good thing about science is that it's true whether or not you believe it. At the beginning of our interview, Neil spoke about the space program and why he thinks human spaceflight is a real boost for our society, as well as how we think about ourselves. Jim, you wrote about this new exciting mission by the private company SpaceX to the International Space Station that's had some, but I don't think nearly as much coverage as it deserves in the media. It's the latest example of a growing public-private partnership between NASA and innovative companies like SpaceX. Tell us more. Yeah, I write a column for Commentary Magazine, and it's really fun covering basically science and technology. And this is a topic I've always been fascinated in. I grew up on Gemini and Apollo programs, but I've noticed that today people will often say, the look at the Apollo program as a model for how government can get something done, can accomplish something. And there's no question NASA was just an absolutely astounding agency that, that did amazing things. But then they kind of started grinding down. And if you look at the space shuttle era, we were spending a billion dollars per launch to launch the space shuttle. And it was a death trap. So Clearly, something was going off the rails. When they retired the shuttle, they didn't have a substitute ready. So in order to get our astronauts up to the International Space Station, which the U.S. 
mostly built with partnerships with Russia and other other countries. We had to rely on the Russian Soyuz rocket and pay them millions of dollars to launch our, our, our astronauts. It's kind of humiliating. Well, at the same time in the background, NASA had quietly started this program where they would pay, they offered to pay private contractors who wanted to build and own their own rockets, initially launch cargo up to the space station, but eventually actual crewed missions. Well, it took a long time. And one of the reasons it took a long time was that it turned out private companies like SpaceX could do this job so much more economically than NASA could do it, that it was actually unpopular with Congress. Yeah, yeah. T- tell me about that. I mean, why, why was that? Was that to do with projects in local districts that might channel money and jobs? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. So the big contractors, Boeing and Lockheed and others that build a lot of the NASA space hardware, they locate facilities in all these different states. So they have a lot of support in Congress. And after the space shuttle retired, NASA had a big, expensive rocket plan, a new type of space vehicle for missions. It was moving very, very slowly. They were spending billions of dollars on it. So NASA wanted to start cutting back on that plan and investing more in these launches done by SpaceX and eventually other private companies. And Congress kept pulling them back and saying, no, 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 you have to do it the slow, expensive way, because that means lots more money coming to my district. Yeah, you have a great quote in your article from a space journalist, Eric Berger, who said, compared with the SpaceX Falcon 9, NASA's rocket design would have cost 50 times as much, five zero times as much to develop. Yes. Amazing. So what what Musk has done is using the genius of, of private enterprise, he has managed to make space flight so much less expensive. They brought down the cost of lifting cargo into orbit by a, a massive factor, and it's going to keep going down. One of the tricks that they do that's amazing is you, if you think about a rocket, imagine you built a 747 to fly to Rome. But every time it landed, the whole plane had to be destroyed (laughs) and you had to build a brand new one to fly home again. (laughs) That's kind of the way spaceflight always worked. Everything was expendable. Nothing could be reused. So what Elon Musk did was said, all right, we're going to take that bottom stage, the biggest part of the rocket with most of the engines, most of the fuel. And once it's boosted the upper stages of the rocket into orbit, we're going to bring that back down to Earth and we're going to land it. And they tried to do this for years and they kept crashing and they finally got it set up. So if you watch one of these SpaceX launches, at the same time that the space vehicle is heading up to orbit after the lower stage disconnects, the lower stage is coming back down to Earth at enormous speed and finally typically lands on a barge. Yeah, that, that's that's just amazing that they could they could put, put something up in space and then have it come down to a precise target like like a barge. And it's not easy. I mean, it took them a long time to get it. Once they do that, they can refurbish that piece of hardware and reuse it. Now, I think they've, they're up to reusing uh, that component up to, I believe it might, one of them has been used nine times. Well, that's just groundbreaking advance and bringing down the cost of, of space flight. So we're going to see these costs continue to come down and we're going to see many other companies coming into this space. So space is becoming a really 
active field for private enterprise. And what's so cool is NASA can now take advantage of that. And a final note on this, this big change in the way that spaceflight is now being conducted with a private-public partnership. It started under the Bush administration, continued through the Obama administration, and also had support um, from from President Trump's top officials as well. Yeah, it's, it's, this is a, a good news story. There's been a lot of bad policy on space, but mostly from Congress. But I, and I've got to give uh, a special word for President Obama, who really went out on a limb in defense of this idea, visited Cape Canaveral before one of the crucial SpaceX launches. And, you know, if that if that rocket had blown up, which was always a distinct possibility, SpaceX lost several missions in their early days. Space is still hard and dangerous. So Obama really put went out on a limb in defense of this program and, and really fought for it. And then the Trump administration kept it going. They didn't screw it up. So... This is, this is a good news story, and we're going to be reaping the benefits of this for years to come. So glad they didn't screw it up. <laughs> it's How Do We Fix It? I'm Richard Davis. And I'm Jim Meggs. And our show is produced, as always, by Miranda Schaefer. How Do We Fix It? is a production of Davies Content. We make podcasts for companies and nonprofits. Find out more at DaviesContent.com. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the Democracy Group. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.